Hello and welcome to episode 39 of The Thing About Golf, the podcast series from Golf Australia magazine that seeks to answer the unanswerable question, what does draw people to this infuriating game? My name's Rod Murray, and alongside the man on the other end of this Skype called John Huggan, we bring you these in-depth interviews on a fortnightly basis with a range of characters from the golf industry, from players and writers to entrepreneurs, and today's area of interest, administrators. Now, in the world of golf administration, fish don't come much bigger than the chief executive of the RNA, and it is indeed Martin Slumbers who has subjected himself to a huggy interrogation for this episode. John Huggan joins me on the line, cackling in the background, to set the stage for this interview, which I think... Huggy has a lot in it if you listen carefully. Slumbers is the consummate politician, but I can't help but think he's one of the good guys. He's quite determined in his goals. And he's genuinely passionate about the game. Yeah, yeah, I, I actually quite like Martin Slumbers, um, despite my image as an RNA knocker. Um, <laughs> but yes, he's, he's a nice guy. He's, his heart's in the right place. There's no doubt about that. Um, but the, the downside of, um, if there is a downside to, to getting an hour's chat with somebody like him who's so embedded in the establishment is that there there are things he won't say and there are places he won't go. So I'm sure there's a bit of that uh, in the oh. midst of uh, the interview, if we can call it an interview. So I like to think of it more of a ch- as a chat than, a, than an yes. interview, but... Um, because it's it's too easy to lapse into just firing questions at them when you get people like that. It's, it, it, conversation, I always think, is better. Very much, and you have to listen to a guy like Slumbers to pick up on the little notes, because eh? he is extremely good. Embedded in the establishment, Huggy, isn't he Isn't he the establishment, really? <laughs> well, well, absolutely, yeah. You can't get any more establishment than the, the head guy at the RNA or the, you know, the equivalent of the USGA, I suppose. But yeah. um, he did mention um, Mr Sutherland at Golf Australia in the midst of our talk as well. He so. did, yes. I was. Uh... He, he, he's another one. I was interested to uh, to hear that. A couple of things that I think people should listen out for, Huggy, are the things that sort of grabbed me, uh, apart from the distance bit, which we'll come to at some point. Yeah, no inevitably. Doubt. Inevitably, that's exactly right. Uh, he's very big, and I'm very big on this as well. How do we talk to non-golfers? Super important issue, mm. isn't it? Because we have our yeah. own press, we have our own language, we have our own world that we live in in golf, and we fail to see sometimes that we're not penetrating beyond that. People outside of golf don't know about or care about a lot of the stuff that we talk about. Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, I think he came back to that that phrase about three, maybe three times uh, over the course of the the hour. So he's he's definitely passionate about that. And and the RNA of which we mentioned again, they're into the the basically rebuilding a a golf facility near Glasgow in Scotland to you know cater for as he put it, the whole family. Um, you know, there'll be a driving range, a chipping green, putting. You know, all the rest of it, all the things that kids would gravitate to more than adults, but the plenty of room for adults to have fun as well and that that seems to me to make perfect sense i mean that that kind of place is the future as he as he pointed out the um, golf club membership certainly in this part of the world have, have gone down every year for about the last decade so Same the golf club model is less and less you know less applicable L- less and less appealing exactly and of course that's the, the the base that funds certainly here in golf in in australia the the base that funds golf australia the administrator is in fact that club model so it's a real conundrum if it is broken where do we go to next and where do the administrators get the finance to go to that next base yeah just on that course that they're that they're getting involved in i can't imagine I can't imagine the USGA taking that step, although they may do at one point. I can't imagine the RNA doing that under the previous administration. He has brought something quite innovative, hasn't he, Slumbers? You've got to look carefully. They've done it quietly, but that's a huge departure 
from well, that, I said that to him. The, the word departure was the, was the very one I used, and and he's the driving force. There's absolutely no doubt about that. This would not be happening if it wasn't for Martin Slumbers, and and I'm pretty sure if if it's even remotely successful, and I'm sure it will be. Um, it's in the you know the most populated part of Scotland, which isn't <laughs> the, the, Scotland's basically empty for people who don't know, but Glasgow, there's a lot of people in the Glasgow area, so mm. he's doing the right thing there and I, I'm, I've got high hopes for him I think, and the irony, you know, I can see them doing more of that if, if it's successful He also strikes me as the type, Huggy, and this might be the most important part, they'll open at the facility the way they think it should be and what, what will attract people, but I get the sense that if it doesn't work immediately he's open to the notion of, well, let's change that model a bit and tinker with it until we get it right. And that's more important even than coming up with the initial idea in some ways, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. He's yeah. Um, he's not a man short of ideas. I mean, no. it's, uh, if you look at his CV, I mean, uh, which I did before I, I talked to him um, earlier today. It'd make you nervous, uh, wouldn't it, you know, he, <laughs> Jesus. He, he, was, he was pretty high. I mean, he was in really high-powered positions in business. I mean, Deutsche Bank and... Yeah. You know some big big companies, and he's you know he was working in Hong Kong, and he was flying to New York every you know all kinds. Of, I mean, this is a pretty um, experienced guy when it comes to the business side of things. So he'll have looked into this that side of things very carefully before he committed any R and E cash to something like this new project. Yeah, absolutely. And interesting, and you know, but I wonder how much this might be true, Huggy Bitty. In those positions and doing what he was doing, I would imagine he's fairly well ensconced in the upper echelons of U.S. Golf Administration. He would have been mixing with a lot of people in those circles who are on the USGA board, members at Augusta National. This fraternity would not be new to him. I imagine he's dealing with a lot of people he's already familiar with, even though he's not been in golf administration previously. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's uh, he's certainly bumped into some people on that level. Yeah. Um, He he wouldn't be, you know, overawed by sitting, talking to people, high-powered people, if you like, because that's what he is himself. Yeah, indeed. Uh, he said a, he said it a couple of times, Huggy, and it's a, it's a classic politician speak. He's a, it's a get-out-of-jail-free card. The tours only represent mm. 1% of the game. Yeah. Quite yeah, true, isn't yeah. it? It's not really a true re- – they represent 1% of players, perhaps, but they are much more than 1% of the game. And that's, a, that's awkward for the RNA, isn't it, and the USJ, because they have no real control over that segment of the game, which is so influential. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it made me smile a couple of times, you're right, it, because the, the, the RNA and I think the USG are the same. The, there's definitely an arm's length relationship in many areas between the two, you know, the, the establishment bodies and the tours, if you can put it that way. And, uh, you know, he, he didn't actually, he's never going to say something like that. That's one of the things that th- these guys never say. But again, as you put it, um, if you know where to look, uh, the, there was certainly, there's not friction, but there's certainly, an, as I say, an arm's length relationship between the two bodies he used some fairly strong language when he came to the discussion about bifurcation and distance and those sorts of things it seems pretty clear huggy that that the distance insight report which we know got delayed because of covid last year but we saw the sneak peek of what had come out prior to that there's some strong language in there isn't there and it seems to me that the the decision's been taken they're not going to bifurcate as he said it's binary he doesn't like the nature of the word so he refuses to use it which is also an interesting kind of a notion for someone yeah. in his position. But this notion of a whole bunch of different local rules to try to control who gets to use what equipment. What's your take on that? It looks like it's going to be the way forward. You happy with that as an idea, do you think? Well, it's it's a way around it, isn't it? It's without actually coming out and saying the word, which he refuses to do. But the bottom line is, um, like his predecessor, Peter Dawson, um, he's one of us. When it comes to the distance thing, I mean, you, you, again, this is the classic example of somewhere he can't go um, verbally. 
but he's um, off the record. Um, I would have to think that he's he's definitely on the side of something needs to be done because mm-hmm. the the golf courses, you know, at the top level, are, are you know. I, I just I, I keep going back to the the notion of where are these guys going to play in yeah, ten well, years' absolutely, time? Absolutely, absolutely. Because you know, Bryson DeChambeau is going to be the norm in a yeah. decade from now if yeah. they don't do anything about it. Without going into that, Huggy, and I kind of thought the same thing in many ways about the putter rule that they made, and you can criticise it and have a different position, but it's quite clever to attack this from a local rules position because it's not the RNA of the USGA enforcing the yeah. view on the PGA Tour. It's up to the PGA Tour which set of rules they choose to play by. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting way to bat the ball across the net, isn't it, and make them so, yeah. proactively do something. Yeah. Some might say passing the buck. Um, <laughs> well, of course, you what know, you want to avoid. Like, and you, Here you are, Jim, on and get on with it. You know. Well, yeah, but of course, the danger is, and as if you've, you spoke to him about, the danger is you create a schism in the game. If, mm. if it ends up in court, nobody wins. No, even lawyers, because lawyers play golf, so even they're not. Well, I, which would be a rare, yeah. a rare occurrence. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I worry about that. I mean, I worry about too. them. You know, if they lose, where do, where do we go from there? I, I, I think know, my that. Goodness. Well, I think this actually rules out the court problem because it's not the RNA. Uh, deciding who gets to use what equipment. Some interesting stuff in there. I'd like to hear some more about that, and I'm sure we will hear more about that from Martin Slumbers and from the USGA in uh, in coming months. Huggy, I really enjoyed this interview. I think our listeners will enjoy this interview. I do urge them to listen carefully both to what is said and in some cases what isn't said. There's some real mm, clues there as to definitely. how the game might be moving forward. So excellent job on your part, my friend, and I uh, hope people enjoy. Thanks for taking some time to chat to us about it. My pleasure, as always. Ladies and gents, Martin Slumbers. Martin Slumbers, thank you for coming on the Thing About Golf podcast. Uh, the first question is always the same on this. What, what is the thing about golf for you? Um, I guess it's, it's, it's a really, it's a really great question. I think for me, it's the golf is is more than just a game. Um, you know, I think what was it? Arnold Palmer said uh, it's the greatest uh, sport mankind ever invented. But but for me, it's it's always had this more um, broader meaning around health, around social skills, around community, um, about learning about life. I think it's a great teacher of life. And uh, I, I certainly have had some uh, experiences on the golf course and with very close friends that have shaped my the rest of my life. Um, it's that ability to play competitively as well as socially and have a chat. Um, but I think the at the end of the day, it's it's a game that I've always felt anyone can play there are no real barriers to play, but that is that is a challenge for the game in trying to make that clear. Um, and you can play it all your life. I mean, I'm in my 60s now, and I started playing when I, I think I was in single digits, but I, I can't quite remember. It seems such a long time ago. Yeah. Have you retained any uh, competitive urges? I mean, I know you're a decent low handicap golfer. Um, and how much competitive golf have you played, and, and are you going to play more in the future? Oh, I'm, I, I've always loved sport, John. Um, you know, I was in all sorts of sports from a ver- very young age. Um, so I'm, I'm inherently competitive. Um, but golf for me for most of my life was what I did away from my professional life working. Um, and I enjoyed it and I loved competing in doing that. And it's funny you, you say that because uh, it's, it's part of the story about how I ended up here is that uh, – I, I spent 30 years working in the city of London and absolutely loved it. Um, but I got into my early 50s and thought, well, I'm playing some reasonably good golf. I never had a chance to play seriously competitively when I was younger because of um, 
work and everything else, I've got one last chance to do is as, as a senior. Mm. Um, and uh, I actually, it worked out. I'd been reasonably successful in my career. So I was able to uh, retire um, with the sole intention of playing full-time seniors golf. Really? Wow. <laughs> Um, or amateur golf. I was all, I'm, I'm, I'm an amateur through and through. Um, and, uh, I, I, I did that. And for six months I played golf all the time. And actually at that point I realized I'm, I wasn't uh, made out to just play sport the whole time. Right. Okay. It was just <laughs> your needed... version of a midlife crisis. Oh, it was certainly my, my children definitely thought it was a midlife crisis. Right. Okay. You didn't buy a sports car and, and you know, open top or. <laughs> oh, I've done, I've, I've done all of that. Right. Okay. <laughs> So, I mean, what, what was the, the kind of, what had been the, the, the peak of your competitive life then on the course? What, run me through your, your wins and losses. Um, I mean, I think my, my abiding memory of play, playing golf, um, all, all, sorts of, all sorts of competitions and things. And, um, but I, I love scratch golf and I love team scratch golf. And if you gave me one thing to do, um, competitively now, it would, it would be to play scratch team golf. And uh, I, I'm still fortunate enough to occasionally play for Surrey seniors. Mm. Uh, and I, lo- I love that. Um, you know, it's, it's quite fun playing against guys that you played against when you're in your yeah. 20s. Um, but, you know, I, I think in terms of, um, in, in that regard, I was a, a member of a, a club down in Sussex called West Sussex Golf Club, Pulborough. Uh, which is a beautiful, beautiful course run um, through the through the trees, and Sussex has a most fantastic county um, team event, scratch golf team of eight, um, where you play foursomes in the morning, singles in the afternoon, and uh, I I played in it for years and years, and then there's a group of us got together and we said, actually, we we'll, we need to do better in this, and. Uh, Let's take it seriously, and and that was around. That's usually famous last words. Steve. I know it's around 19, Um You know, I, I think I was approach. I was just approaching my forties, um, and uh, we did. And uh, as a group, through over three years, we went quarterfinal, final, and won it. Um, and uh, I still think it's one of the best teams I've played in. And it was, it just shows how power of sport. I think that you got a bunch of people who wanted to do something and um, put our minds to it. And what, what's fascinating about it when I look back on it was um, all there was, a t- there was about 12 of us who could get into the team and all of us, our handicap improved by mm. a minimum of two shots in that yeah. three-year period. Yeah, there's nothing like team golf, or nothing like winning at team golf, put it that no. way. Even losing, even losing is a kind of bonding thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, you know, and I think it's that, you know, golf has always been a, a passion for me throughout my life, and uh, but I think that's when I'm at my happiest. Yeah, well, I, I, I can sympathise with that. I've had some great times uh, playing in teams as well. It's uh, it's the most fun you can have on a golf course, I think. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Martin, I'm looking at your 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 a brief summary of your business career. I mean, some pretty high powered names here. Um, <laughs> But I'm I'm interested in that you know you, you you made the jump into the the RNA job without even applying for it. I hastened. I, I think I remember you telling me once. Um, what did, was there any kind of um, if I can put it this way, uh, performance issues uh, early on? I mean, you were suddenly thrown into a slightly different world. I would think um, talking to guys you know, that you'd kind of seen from afar. You know, 
the big names in golf, Tiger Woods and Nicholas and all the rest of them. And what what was that like for you early on? And was there any, as I say, any anxiety attached to it? I mean, I I think I through through my professional career, I got used to dealing with some very senior people. Um, but it's very different when you come into come into a sport you love and have a real passion for. And you know, I I look at it and say, you know, the business side of golf is a serious business. I mean, there's some, I, you know, I've worked with some wonderful people in banking, but, you know, I would put up against them any, most of the, if not all of the sort of the top people who lead our, lead our sport around, um, around the world from a business perspective. Um, but there is the professional, the professional side, and then you sort of drift between that. It's your business, but actually it's what you, you know, you, you spent years watching these guys. Um, and uh, yeah, I would say some of them was a little bit intimidated. Um, mm-hmm. by, I mean, I'd be very honest about that. Yeah, I, I think anybody would be. Yeah. Um, but you know, when uh, I think what's really important in 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 this role and probably any of the other big big roles in golf is if you you can't just be a pure businessman and do this. Um, you you've got to have a love of the game and you've got to have an understanding of the game. And, um, you know, I quietly, I've quietly surprised myself on two fronts, John, is one is how much I did understand about how the game has, has been played over decades and, and, and good players and what made good players. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, I surprised myself, and I think I've said this to you before about my, that my, my growing passion to make sure the game is better when I finish here than it was when I started. And mm-hmm. I think as a, you know, my professional career taught me always about you know being results orientated continuous improvement and and leave the leave the world that you're running better than we, you took it over with and uh, i i think those two those two things um have really helped but i have to admit i remember the first time i met Janet klaus mm. um i did um it was at the masters um and I did. Uh, I did spend uh, half an hour pacing up and down, trying to, <laughs> to be clear about what I wanted to talk about. Um, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's been uh, that's been one of the the great joys um, of of this job. And I mean, the only the only person I have not had a chance to talk to because he sadly passed away is is my favourite golfer of all time, which is Seve Ballesteros. And I wish I'd had a chance to uh, have met him. Yeah, well, I was lucky enough to, I spent a fair bit of time around Seve. I was his ghostwriter and interviewed him, went to Bredrenia a couple of times, and he was a fascinating character. There's no doubt about that. Uh, good and bad, by the way. There wasn't He wasn't a perfect human being by any means. <laughs> Has there been any sort of hint of that? I mean, everybody says you should never meet your heroes. I mean, without being too specific, is, is, has there been any disappointments involved in all that? Or has it just been as you do, as you would want it to be, put it that way? Uh, it's as I as absolutely as I wanted it to be, um, and it's not just meeting meeting. You know, I mean, I'm I'm of an age. I mean, you're. I think you're a little bit younger than me, John. But very slightly, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I, I'm I'm of an age and a European where you know we we had the golden era of you know Sa- Sandy Lyle and Nick Faldo and Seve Ballesteros and you know Ian Woosnam, and um, apart from Seve, I've had the chance to meet all of them and uh, not just talk business, but I've played golf with a few of them. And um, you, you realize, you, you realize how good these guys are, mm. even, even when they're not playing competitively. 
Um, but they're also very thoughtful about our sport um, and very, on the whole, very humble. Um, I played with Bernard Langer here at, uh, in the Pro-Am of the Senior Open um, a couple of years back. And uh, you know, it was it was an incredible experience. I started talking to him about, you know, he's famous for his course management and how he thinks about getting around the golf course. Yeah. Um, and we spent time talking about that. And, you know, he's got a great sense of humor once once he relaxed and felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to his eternal credit on the 18th green, he just said, thank you very much for everything the RNA does for us in golf. And, you know, I look at it and go, you're one of the, you know, one of the greatest players of your generation. And that's actually a really lovely thing to have said. Yeah, I, I think you're very lucky, actually, to in people in, that are in positions within the establishment, golf establishment, if you like, is that these guys will talk to you in a way that they won't talk to me as a journalist. I mean, they'll mm-hmm. say, you, you get exactly what they think, I'm sure, or, or a lot closer to what exactly what they think on various subjects than they will do saying to a journalist because, you know, they don't want to see it in the magazine or the paper or on the internet the following day. So I think you're very fortunate to be in that position, you know. And and you know I I've also learned over my you know my professional career John that um, you know never 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 believe that you are the sole possessor of the the great idea mm. um, <laughs> and and so I I have always and I've done it in my six years here spent time asking questions I ask a lot more questions than I give opinions um, and it's because I want to learn and you know the 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 great players of you know, my, my generation who I've been fortunate to meet and some of the younger ones who, who have also met, they've helped me shape my, my thinking. And I think that's, I think that's important for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, and you you and you've been charge of the r and at a time when, my goodness, there's a lot going on. Um, when you, when you walked in the door, I mean, I think it's safe to say that you, you've changed things or certainly the, the image of the r and um, is, is in the midst of change, if I can put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of old fuddy-duddy, you know, old guy sitting asleep in the big chair in front of the window at the r clubhouse with the Daily Telegraph over the top of him is, is kind of, you know, that's been, that's kind of gone now, I think. Um, is that, how important was that? I mean, the, the, I always thought that the, for all the good work that the r did over the years, they didn't blow their own trumpets enough and people didn't know what they did. And the image of the r was actually... A problem in some ways because people looked at them with, as I just said, you know, the, the the old guy asleep under the newspaper kind of view. I mean, how much of that were you aware of, and how much of it has it been a priority to change it? Well, I mean, I I I, I do think the inside-out view of um, certain organisations in golf is very different to the outside-in view. Mm, um, yeah. Um, I mean, for me, you know, I'm I'm I was not. Um, part of uh, the RNA before I wasn't part of the club um, I was you know I was a club golfer who who had a career and that's how that's what I what I, what I loved but my my perception and when I when I came when I came into the role I wanted to build upon um, what had happened in the past and you know I'm for, fortunate to have a set of circumstances that meant that modernizing how the RNA works um professionally um as a business and works in terms of trying to be more relevant to the game today it was the right time to have that agenda um you know i'm a great 
I've learned through bitter experience that uh, you, you, you're, we're all a victim of the times that we live in. Um, and I'm, I was for, I'm fortunate to have lived in a time where, in this job, where we can take, take things forward. Um, and what I've tried to do is to um, – a uh, couple of things, really. No, one is not be abashed by being commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I'm very proud of the Open Championship. I'm very proud of the AIG Women's Open that we will build. Mm-hmm. But the Open is um, it, it is something special in our game. It is a deep part of our history. But it's also – we should be very proud of it here in Britain. It's, you know, it's our championship. Um, and it is also the, it is, uh, also the event that creates all the revenue for the RNA to do everything else in the world. Yeah, so, I was just going to say that. It, it's the only thing that you do that makes money. Am I right in saying that? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And it makes a um, lot. <laughs> <laughs> but we shouldn't be frightened of that. No. And, no. and I'm not. Um, you know, I'm, I was very clear that we needed to build um, a, a brand um, for the Open. Um, I mean, I know when I interviewed here, you know, one of my my final interview, which was two or three hours long, um, was around. I was asked to talk about the future of the Open, yeah. and and I felt the brand was confused. Um, and Peter had started work on that, and I was fortunate enough to build on that. But I think today the Open brand is very clear. Uh, Explain what you mean by that. What, what do you mean by confused? Well, I, I, I had a, I had an interview at um, at Hoylake um, during during the Open, and um, where uh, you know when Rory when Rory won, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, I was there Thursday Friday, and then I went home and watched it um, Saturday Sunday, and I was watching on Saturday night, I think it was, um, and I noticed. You know, there was um, logos of uh, the Royal and Ancient Golf Club. There were logos of the RNA. There were logos of the Open. There were different colours. Um, and you know, I, I, I met one of the, uh, the the main tour players, who's a friend a friend of mine, and I won't say who it is. But you know, he kind of said to me, "It's a bit confusing to what what are we playing? What are we playing for? And who's in charge?" Hmm. Um, and that resonated with resonated with me, and I think the great, you know, the the Open is a golf is a golf tournament at its heart. And uh, although I'm not a, frightened about the commercial side of it, I hope um, I never get f- accused of losing at the, the the fact that at the centre of it is a golf tournament. Um, but around it, it needs to be represented in the world with great clarity about what it is. Um, you know, the great championships of the world have very clear messaging um and so you know that's something we have worked very hard on you know it's a very clear logo there's only one logo you see um it's one color it's one look throughout the whole place um and as that same player said to me four years later he said you drive in the door and you know exactly what you're playing for um and he said it sends tingles down the back of your spine and I went, yeah, that's what I wanted to achieve. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly got a clear identity, the Open. You know, it's obviously it's the only one that's played, the only major outside America, which is um, to its huge advantage, I would imagine, certainly commercially. Um, you can put me right on that. Um, but but where, where are we with the Open at the moment? I mean, the, we didn't have one last year, and uh, 
this year, you know, I'm sure you're in the midst of thinking about what's going to happen and not really knowing what's going to happen in the next two or three months. Um, what can you tell us at the moment about where things stand? Well, it's probably the most complicated open we've ever planned for yeah. um, in that we've got multiple plans um, depending on the health the health situation um, that will be you know in place in come July. But you know I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously and increasingly optimistic um, that we will have fans and significant number of fans at the at the open at Ross and George's. Um, you know we work we're working very closely with um, UK government, with the public health, with the local authorities, with the police. And, you know, we're getting strong support from the government to um, get have, a, have a, as near as we can um, a normal open. Now, I think we're a long way from that at the moment. But Have you ruled you know, that out already, the, the prospect of, a, you know, just a regular open? I mean, I can't imagine that you're going to be able to get everybody in. Um, no, we haven't ruled it out completely. Um you know, it would be a, it would be a great, um, you know, great testament to the success of the vaccine program. Mm. I think for the yeah. whole of the, the whole of the UK, if we are able to, well, do it, it just might be a wee bit too soon, though. That's what I'm thinking. It might just be a wee bit yeah. too soon. Um, but you know, we're 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 working through those. Um, I don't want to get ahead of the health issue. Mm -hmm. um, the, the the health and safety of everyone who comes um, is paramount. Um, the only thing I can say for certain is there will be 149th playing of the Open Championship at Royal St George's this July. Mm -hmm. Well, that that is good news. I think we all we all I certainly missed it last year. It's it seemed weird to not have an Open in July. I don't know how you felt about it. I missed it a lot more than I thought I was going to miss it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it was a it was a very very weird week. Yeah, and you also missed out on getting the. Well, you've got the the. Maybe the most famous, or certainly one of the most famous phrases in golf to utter every year. Um, when you first did the uh, the prize giving, um, champion golfer of the year, etc. Um, did you rehearse it beforehand, or how nervous were you about that? Oh, uh, it's terrifying. You were standing in front of the, ba the bathroom mirror. I can imagine. It's 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 you. You know, I think when when you have the privilege of this this job. Um, and you're preparing to walk out onto the 18th green with that beautiful trophy. And I can tell you that was the first time I'd ever held it. Mm. Um, Is that the real one? Is that the presentation? Because I know there's a few of them. Knocking uh, the, 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 real, the real one sits here in the club and never leaves. Right, yeah. But it, it's the it's, it's 1928 version. Um, solid silver, heavy. It's the one we give the players. Right. Um, and and I I you know is this sort of it sort of maybe reflects a little bit on my personality and my my sort of respect for the game is that when when I was into when I was uh, being um, it was being prepared for me to join here and there was lots of media photographs being done and everything and I refused to hold the claret jug oh. and um, if you actually look John you'll only see pictures of the claret jug sitting on the table in front of me right. why was and, that then. Well, I, I, I had a sort of rather maybe old-fashioned view that there's only two reasons why you should hold the open jug, the claret jug, which is you've won it or you're about to give it away to someone who's won it. Right. Um, and um, You're an old-fashioned soul, for goodness sake. I am a little bit old-fashioned, yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have a little bit. I, th I think a, lo a lot of what I try to do here is reflect, you know, history in a modern way. Um, but I am a little bit old-fashioned. Um, 
And so that was the first time I'd held it. Um, and um, you're we're, we're waiting to, to, to walk out and uh, you try and forget all those people who um, are watching. Um, and my family had never been to the open with me and were sitting in the stands. And yeah, it was something that, uh, was, was pretty nerve wracking and doesn't prepare you. Nothing prepares you for standing there and announcing the champion golfer of the year. So did you rehearse it? Yes. Hundreds of times. <laughs> hundreds of times. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Including waking up one night in a, a, a cold sweat. And I won't say who the player is, but uh, had a very complicated name. Ah, uh, and my, my, dream, my dream was that uh, I got said, and the champion golfer of the year is, and then went into a complete stutter as yeah, I couldn't yeah. pronounce his name. Yeah, was, um, you don't want Afi Banrat. To, you you <laughs> better have Ernie else, I would think. Yeah, and uh, you keep checking the piece of paper in front of you to make sure that you got the guy, the person who won it. And if you remember, at six, 2016, which was my first Open, you know, we had that brilliant, unbelievable Sunday, mm, Saturday yeah. and Sunday between yeah. Henrik and Phil. Um, and, uh, you know, wow. I mean, I, I've been lucky. I've had four brilliant Opens. I mean, Henrik and Phil was was extraordinary. Jordan and, and Matt at Birkdale. Mm. Um you know, we'll, I think people will still talk about um, the 13th. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 we can come back to this, but I'll talk, I talk more about the 14th. Um, and then, uh, you know, um, Francesco, who I know, um, and that's, that, was, that was actually quite personal, um, seeing Francesco win and Tiger coming back and playing so brilliantly. And then, um, you know, I think I'll never, ever forget um, Shane Lowry walking down the fairway at Rollport Rush. Yeah, that was brilliant. I thought that um, when that opened, when I, I was there and I, and I thought about it afterwards, I thought, why were we not back here, you know, quicker than however many years it was? It was 60 odd years or whatever it was. I mean, it was extraordinary because it was such a huge success. I mean, it was wonderful. Yeah, I mean, in, in, in life, you've got to be lucky as much as, um, as well as clever, right? Um, in fact, it's better to be luckier than clever. And, mm. um, you know, I think a lot of people in the build-up were hoping Rory was going to be doing that, um, but that's sport, and it didn't work out that way. But yeah, we got lucky, and I, I still think that round. I mean, it'd be interesting to know what you think, because you know, I know you're a, a much better aficionado of links golf than I am. But um, that round that Shane played on Saturday in that weather has to be one of the great, the great rounds, links rounds. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, that I'm. You know, I'm, I'm biased because I was brought up on a links and and played it all my life, basically. But the, yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's the only form of the game now, and we'll get into the, you know, the equipment stuff in a, in a few minutes. I'm sure it's the only form of the game now where they they play in, in the way that they used to play, or or I've got the chance to play as they used to play because the weather comes into it, and they've got to manufacture shots, and they've got to come up with different ways of getting the ball in the green and all that kind of stuff. And to me, that that's proper golf, if you like, in inverted commas. I don't know how you <laughs> feel about that. Um, I'm I'm drawn I'm drawn because I you know I spent most of my life playing on inland golf courses, mm. but I think the creativity that you need to play a links course in championship conditions well is a very different game. Um, and it does take more imagination. And I think if you look at the great, the great players who've won it, they've all been people with great imagination. You can't bully. I don't think you can bully a links course unless it's absolute flat calm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But it's it's interesting if you sort of put down put together a number of those things we've just talked about, um, John. And you know, my my abiding passion is to make is as I said to make hand the game on better than um, I inherited it. Is we need to get more people playing playing our game and understanding yeah. um, our, our our sport. And you know, I have to use the tools that we have available to us. We have these great championships. You know, we have our governance um, role. We have our network of partners. And it's very important that we, you know, in, 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 in bringing some of my professional career to, to the RNAs, is making sure that we use those tools to tell the story, not just of the RNA, but of, of golf. Um, and, um, you know, the, I, we can all wax lyrical about great open champions and you know some of the women's equivalents as well. I mean, Sophia Popoff winning last year. Yeah, that was a great story. Yeah. Oh, wonderful story! Um, and uh, leveraging those to actually sell the game is 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 what keeps me going every day. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, there's, 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 I mean, I get I get accused of being overly negative sometimes about golf, but the the, the surely fun, not. Yes, well, it has it has been known it, amazingly, I'm sure, but it is. Um, but there are far more good things about the game, and and you know, my my view is that when you have a go at something, or or seem to be having a go at something, you're just. My view is that I'm always trying to make it better, mm-hmm. yeah, because there's something wrong with it, you know. So and it, and it could be better. Yeah, I think there is. You know, there's, I think there's a, a a couple of things on that. Um, you know, I think there is too much in our in in our industry at the professional level, and we we we, you know, all the talk is about professional level, but I, I, you know, I never fail to forget that only one percent of people play for money, ninety nine percent people yeah. play for love, um, and we don't talk enough about the people who play for love, um, um, and I can understand why, but I do think that the industry looks back too often. Um, and I think we should, you know, I, I love the phrase and I use it a lot, reflect history in a modern way. Um, the world is, you know, society's changed, uh, whether we like it or not, society's changed and it's going to change even more after this COVID pandemic. I mean, we, we're all going to be slightly different after this. And, you know, it, it's very important that we stay ahead of that and stay modern of it. But don't forget the past, and um, it's it's that's a real a real balance for for, for us. Yeah. Well, funny you should mention that because it kind of leads <laughs> me into something that I was uh, determined I was going to ask you about. Um, whose idea was it to come up with phrases like "tied," "penalty area," and "hole location," <laughs> rather than "all square," "hazard," and "pin position," which seems to me golf had its own kind of vivid and colourful language that should be preserved and not replaced. Um, who came up with all that stuff and, and why would be my question. <laughs> I have to be, I prefer all square to tide. I was watching the match play yeah. at the weekend and it tied doesn't sit, doesn't sit well. You know, I'm going to gently chide, chide you, John, you know, but, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, uh, my, my, uh, my, my friends always tease me because I spent most of my life traveling between here and the United States, mostly New York, um, and we lived in the Far East for three years in Hong Kong, and I spent a lot of my life, a lot of time in India. Um, you know, and and it really doesn't. I mean, I I I, I tend to use words myself that are a mixture of those cultures, and it really it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you. Um, it does bother think, me. It really bothers me. 
<laughs> I know, but I think I think as you know, I think as long as you trade stay true to what you believe, then then that then that then that's fine. Um, you know, there are you know it's the the tomato and tomato discussion and elevators and lifts. You know, I, I flip between one and the other. Um, relatively effortlessly yeah well you've managed to dodge the question of course you're a, you're a consummate politician in that respect but um, my que- my original question was where did it come from whose idea was it and, and why was it even thought of <laughs> i have no idea i think it's just evolved as a, a time i think uh, it's evolved media's had a huge impact of this um global media i mean the, i think a lot of the language has evolved from other sports I think that's probably where the all square to tide has come from. I think tide is um, what you would hear in football matches and baseball matches and those those sorts of things. I mean, we live in a we live in a media a global media world, and um, language just evolves. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, good good on you for keeping uh, keeping cha- <laughs> challenging me, John. Well, but, uh, well I won't give up. I'm not going to go <laughs> away. Yeah, you won't hear me say tide, but I, you know, I'll say all square. But you know, pin pin, pin sheets and whole locations. Um, you, I could probably, you'll probably hear me say both. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll have to call that an honourable draw then. So. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to get into uh, a little bit with uh, you know the inevitably the the slow play. You mentioned the match play at the weekend there, and it was marked by some incredibly ponderous uh, playing if I can put it that way um, is there anything ev- that you guys can ever do about this I mean it, it seems to be that you know everybody talks it's like the British weather everybody talks about it but nobody does anything about it um, what's, what's your feeling on it and is, is there any end to this well look I think I, I, I am very clear and I have been very clear on it whenever you let's talk about the 99% who play for love whenever you talk to them um, and ask them about what are impediments to playing golf or playing more golf, pace of play, time to play, more time to play than pace. Time to play is in the top three every single time. Um, and so, you know, it, it is a crucial issue. You know, we introduced into the rules of golf, the new rules of golf in 19, a number of steps which were all specifically aligned around pace of play, you know, leaving the pin in, um, ready golf other than in match play because that undermines what the principles of match play are um, we we look at our own championships um, you know I think people um, if you look at the open put aside Sunday this year uh, 2019 at Portrush because of the extraordinary weather um, you know we, we we play Saturday and Sunday in about 3 hours 40 minutes 3 hours 45 minutes um, and Thursday, Friday at four hours, 40 minutes when we're playing in three balls. Cause they're all, and that's all driven by players not wanting to step on each other's lines and our walking referees chivy everyone along. So, you know, we're doing what we can for our championships. We're doing what we can in amateur golf. And I will consistently talk about it for club golf. And let, let me just talk about one thing, which I, I, I do criticize golf hugely about, and it's really become um, apparent to me in the last few years as we've we've really tried to get more grip on how do we grow golf. The problem with the one of the problems with golf and it's whether it's organisations like the RNA 
whether it's the media, um, whether it's um, uh, national federations, is all our communication is golf talking to golfers or golfers talking to golfers. Now, if you're only talking to the same people, how the hell do you think you're going to grow the game? Because grow the game means we need to talk to non-golfers. And um, and when we talk to non-golfers, we need to talk to people who um, might enjoy the game. And we've got to find the barriers to get them to take up the game. And until we all consistently talk to non-golfers, we will not grow this game. And in fact, the traditional game in the developed markets is getting older and it's getting less diverse. Yeah. And that is a fundamental, that is a fundamental they, they problem. All, they all look like us, and, Martin, you know, you tease, Yeah. And, and, and we've got to stop, we've got to stop talking to us. We've got to talk to, to new people. And you, you tease me in my office. I think you were hoping I didn't know the answer <laughs> to a question. That's, that's, it does sound um, like me. Yes. When you said, do you know who yes. Niall Horan is? And I answered and said, yes, of course I know who Niall Horan is. And, you know, I, I, I had already in my mind thought I previously that can we can we find a way of working with him? And, yeah, and he's we have, enormously important, uh, I think. Hugely important. He is. He is. But you know, there's there's you know if you look at social media following, which sadly is a, a part of our life today, even the most popular golfers have pretty low social media mm-hmm. followings compared yeah. to celebrities or other sportsmen. Um and you know, we, we, we are very focused about how do we um, find a way to work with um, people who aren't in the traditional golf game but love golf. And Niall Horan, by the way, absolutely yeah. loves golf. And he's, he is actually very traditionalist about golf um, he, and, and, and to attract a new audience. I mean, I've I've been smiling this week. I didn't know Andy Murray. Yes, loves golf. well, his, his brother was a low handicap player. He's, he was the better player, I think. Yeah. the older brother. Yeah, and I think the, his uncle, Andy Murray's uncle, is a golf pro. Oh, well, I didn't know Jamie plays, um, and and Andy plays plays golf. I didn't know Rafa Nadal mm, yeah, plays yeah. golf until recently. Um, now, you know, if we are genuinely going to um, make the pie bigger which is what I think about in terms of growing the game. We've got to engage with non-golfers who can engage with non-golfers. And, um, you know, I think uh, we're, we're really excited about our Niall Horan partnership and um, how that will play out in the coming, yeah, you, coming you've years. You've also been getting into, you know, the, the Letham Hill um, project at Glasgow. And talk a bit about that. And, and the, to, I, I mean, I understand that the motivation is to get more people playing golf, but, that, that's a real departure for, for the RNA to, to get into something like that. And I know you you, know, you mentioned the Women's Open. You've taken that over in the last few years and the Home Internationals, um, the Amateur Golf. You, you're expanding your power base, if you like, um, which is no bad thing, I think. But um, what what was the motivation other than the growing of the game? I mean, this is, a real, as I say, a real departure for the RNA to, to be getting into running golf clubs, if you like. Yeah, it is. It, it, it is a huge departure and, uh, um, you know, it's something uh, I've, I've been pushing. But let me just step back um, and explain explain why and, and, and the realities of what's going on in our, in, in our sport. And I'm going to talk about the UK, John, but I could 
this could be absolutely equivalent for Australia. And in fact, I had a call with uh, James Sutherland, the new CEO of Golf Australia this week, um, uh, sorry, the end of last week, who, who I'd met when he was CEO of uh, Cricket Australia. And his, his thinking is really similar to mine. And, and the analysis is, is really simple. But if you look in the UK, um, there, and, and there are about 1 million golf club members. Um, but if you look, look at how the number of people who consume golf, and that when I say consume, I mean nine-hole golf, 18-hole golf, par three courses, driving ranges, um, top golf, um, all of those things, the number is nearly 10 million. And, and what's happened in the last 10 to 15 years is that the traditional game has shrunk um, and membership of clubs has shrunk pretty much every year since 2006. Um, but the growth of off-course golf has grown significantly. Um, and what, what Letham Hill is, is about is how do we um, create a facility that would enable us to bring new participants to the game, especially families, that would bring those people who go to off-course golf but introduce them to on-course golf and create a pathway to traditional membership of a golf club. Um, so it's going to be it's 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 going to be much. You know, it's it's a short course. We're redesigning the course down to nine holes. We're going to have a par three course, but we're going to have a number of other facilities, all aimed at um, families and getting people in. And that's I I think it's very important that the RNA is not just passionate about growing that pie, but walks the walk as yeah. well. And that's what yeah, Destiny Hill's all about. Yeah, I think places about. like that are. A, a, a Certainly for at least some of the people who come along and give it a try, that it'll be a stepping stone to a golf club for these people. Um, you know, yes. I mean, there's a, is it yes. Kingsfield? There's a driving range, golf, little golf course near Linlithgow. I did a story on them a few years ago, and I thought this was this was the future. I thought, because it, it was a family, as you said, a family-oriented place. It was mum and dad and the kids came along, and there was something for everybody. You know, they could putt, they could chip, they could hit balls on the driving range, they could go and play nine holes. There was it, That, to me, was far more inclusive than certainly the, I mean, the old-style golf clubs were. <laughs> they were more exclusive than inclusive in many cases, and that was a problem. But I'm with you on that. I think uh, this is, that, that certainly has to be the future, and it's the way to get more people and a, and a bigger range of people involved, certainly. Yes, complete, completely, completely agree. And, and it would drop... You know, we've got to drop some of the barriers um, down that um, that for, for people to come and join the game. And, you know, pace is time to play is one thing we just talked about. Cost is another. But being inclusive, um, you know, and if you look now at the RNA purpose, we, we, we did a lot of work about I asked the question of my, my executive team um, not long after I, I joined. And I said, well, tell me, what's the point of the RNA? What, what what are we I've what are we here for? I've asked that question myself a few times. <laughs> <laughs> but we know we, we 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 you know, and it created you know, and I, I used another phrase. What do we want to be yeah. when we grow up? Um, and I think what we're trying, what what the RNA is, you know, it, again, the timing is right. Is we're able to actually say what we want to be when we grow up, and behind it all, our real driver is you know, in our purpose, we want to see the game be more open, more inclusive 
more accessible and thriving 50 years from now. You know, I want my grandchildren to feel they can still play golf and get as much fun out of it that you and I have had um, 50 years from now. And and that's what yeah, I mean. A few about. years ago, the the RNA split, if you like, certainly in a legal sense, from the the Royal and Ancient Golf Club. Um, are you still technically the 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 secretary of the golf club? And and if so, how much of your time is actually spent on that stuff, rather than the the bigger issues that we've been talking about? Yeah, no, I'm se- I'm secretary of the golf club and, and chief executive of the RNA. Um, you know, I I think the fact that we we split is one well, one issue, but the real reason. I, you know, I have a privileged position in the world of golf is because of the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of St. Andrews. The fact that it's been here since 1754, the fact that it's the home of golf, um, that gives us our right, our permit, if you like, to have an opinion. And I, I never forget, never forget that. Um, and the members of this club are, you know, they're real golf people. <laughs> they want, they want golf to be successful. They enjoy their golf. A lot of them were very, very good at golf. Um, but they want, they want to be us to be more relevant and helping the game of golf. And, uh, I, I never forget that it's that inherited trust of 260 plus years, um, that enables, uh, me to be able to have the opinions that I do have and around and be able to express them about where the game should be do, going. Do you sometimes think um, to yourself, though, that, um, that this this rules-making business is more trouble than it's worth and that, the you know, you should be passing it along to, to the, certainly the tours. I mean, they kind of opt out of any kind of rules issues. They, they, they kind of you know, point at the RNA and the USGA every time something comes up. I mean, how do you feel about that? Do you know, you, ju- you just fell into the trap everyone falls into, John, that you said yeah. the tours that represent 1% yes. of the game. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, you know, the, when, when, you, when you take a responsibility to write the rules of golf, you're doing it for the whole game. Now, you know, if we didn't have professional golf, they probably would be a bit shorter yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the rules, be a bit yeah. more simple. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's the deck of cards that we're dealt with and, and – no, I don't. I don't. I don't regret it. It's you know, you know, there's there's people in life who always take the easy option, um, and there are people in life who do things that are right. And I like to think that you know the RNA does what is right. Sometimes it's really difficult, um, and it's really painful. But I don't think anyone could ever accuse us of not trying to do what is right. No, for I, I, I hasten to add that I'm 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 in all in favour of yourselves and the USGA doing it because somebody has to. Uh, at the end of the day, and uh, you, the long history of doing it, um, you've got more experience and more knowledge of that sort of stuff than than anybody else. So uh, I'm I'm all for that. But uh, but I do wonder if you just think you roll your eyes sometimes when you think, oh my goodness, why why do we bother with all this stuff? Because it's endless. It's endlessly yeah, complicated. So, yeah, sometimes you sort of you know it, you know it's not just here, but it's in my entire life. You go, gosh, do I really want all this hassle? Um, but yeah, I've never been someone who's wanted an easy no, no, life, John. No. And has, has your view uh, changed at all on bifurcation? Is that is that inevitable? Well, do you think? I think I think I mean I don't use that word as you know, um, and I, I don't use it purposely because I think it represents a very static, binary um, concept, and. Um, I do think that what we, you know, we we have 
we have started to use and talk about model local rules. Mm -hmm. And some people have said, well, that's just bifurcation by another word. But actually, it's not. It's If you really think about it, um, what we're trying to do is to create some dynamic options for the game and get away from a, a sort of a um, binary static bifurcation model. And I think that the game is so varied that it, it needs that needs that option um, and options to be able to go forward. You know, I, I have very consistently said that, you know, technology over the last 30 years has been a fantastic development to make our game a little bit easier to play. Um, there is no doubt in my mind, you know, when I started to play, the hardest club to hit in the bag was a, a persimmon one wood. Um, where today, if you ask my wife, the easiest bat club to hit in the bag is her driver. And that is a really good thing. For, for the vast and, majority, um, yes, absolutely. Um, but then I also say that, you know, there's a balance, that the, the layer on that is a balance of skill and technology. And what we want to make sure is that the game is always a game of skill. Um, and so that you get um, varieties varieties yeah. within that. I mean, there's but, two sides uh, to every coin, uh, and, and that you're absolutely sure. right. You, the 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 big headed driver and all the rest, of the more forgiving clubs, is is a great thing for the vast majority of golfers. However, I always tell this the Robert Rock story. A couple of years ago, I was wandering about in the at the event in Turkey, and I came across Robert Rock's group, and I wandered up a hole with them, and he came over. He just he'd driven off. And he kind of had just slightly right of centre, and he'd driven off. And he said to me, he says, where do you think on the face I just hit that shot? And I says, well, I have no idea. He says, if I'd been using a persimmon wood, he says, I might have missed the ball completely with that swing. <laughs> and yet he was up the fairway, you know, maybe 10 yards back from where he would have been with a good shot. So that that's the unintended consequence of this, is that people with real talent, they're getting too much help, maybe. Well, I think that's my point about the balance between skill yeah. and technology, John. Um, you know, when, when you uh, when you talk about your favourite golfers, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I hope uh, you know when I finish here, people said actually he, he he's a golf geek. He loved he loved golf and 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 did things to help the game. But you you asked me about my favourite players. You know, you know through the gen, I, I I always go for the ones who are more creative. Um, you know, Seve to me probably wasn't the greatest golfer of all no. all time. But for me, he's the yeah, best. Well, he was the, he was the one that uh, even at the, the end of his career, when he couldn't hit his hat, you know, with his long game. <clears throat> I mean, Jeff Ogilvy told me this uh, that when he was playing the European Tour, Seve was coming towards the end, and even at the end there, if Seve came onto the chipping green or the pitching area, everybody stopped and watched. You know that that's the, yeah. that was what separated him. I mean, he was a, he was a genius inside seventy yards. I mean, he could do things, and he hated the. I wrote a column once uh, berating the development of this 60-degree wedge, and, and he, he loved that column. He even came and told me that he, how much he loved it because, as he put it, the, everybody can now hit the shots that only I could hit. You know, it, it, it took away his edge. And, and, you know, that sort of goes back to that point about skill in, 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 my, in my mind. You know, I, I've been fortunate to play um, a bit of golf with Sandy Lyle here in St. Andrews, and, you know, Sandy loves still playing golf and i was playing with him about two years ago and uh, another friend of ours here and it was a windy day out in the new course 
and uh, it was essentially downwind on the way out and into the wind on the way back. And downwind, the the three of us, I was hitting about the ball about the same distance as Sandy. Um, and then yeah, we turned. I know where you're heading with this, yeah. And I was suddenly 25 yeah. yards behind him, and I said, "Sandy, what's going on?" And he said, "You've got no idea how to hit a low spinning ball, have you?" And and I went, "How do you do it?" And he said, "I've got no idea. I just." Think yeah. about it. <laughs> it does, well, that was um, part of Sandy's genius, of course. Yeah. Oh, and he's still a genius at it. But it's still in the modern. It's still in the modern game, and this is where I think um, I do think some of the um, um, media commentary is 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 wrong, and that style is still in the modern game. And I'll, I'll, I will give you two examples. One was when Tiger won the FedEx Playoff at East Lake when he was playing with Rory. And he was giving Rory 50 yards off the tee. Um, and he was just shaping the ball into the fairways. And the, But the other one I give is Dustin Johnson winning the Masters last year. Um, you know, all the talk was about Bryson. All the media just wanted to talk about Bryson. And there was Dustin. And if you watch him play, and I loved it, absolutely loved it. I mean, he was hitting the ball hard. But what he was doing was finding the fairways. And he was shaping the ball with a left to right shot that he has. And he was putting the ball in the fairway. And I stood up and clapped. Um, so it still is there in the game. And I think it's, we, 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 we mustn't forget that it's still there and, and really recognize that that style of play is still Yeah, I think um, had you been at the, the last President's Cup at, uh, at Royal Melbourne and walked, walked oh, you I were. Walked well, if you'd walked around with Mike Clayton and I when we watched Tiger, um, that was the same kind of thing feeling we had that he separated himself on that golf course he could do things and hit, hit the shots that were required um, that like nobody else could I mean he, he was you know miles better than everybody else on that golf course and it was an education to watch him it really was I mean I, I, I mean Royal Mel- I've, I've had the privilege of playing Royal mm. Melbourne once and um I stood on the first, I think it was the first tee because we played oh, all I the holes. Keep, I can't keep uh, up with that place because it's, you know, all you know, <laughs> composite courses and numbers. Oh, it's, a, it's a nightmare. And and, and I, I remember I, I, I was pretty nervous and uh, a bit jet lagged. And um, I hit a reasonably good tee shot. And I think I had a, a, a short iron into the green and I hit it and I thought, oh, that's, that's good. It bounced on the green. And then I, my mouth fell open because it went through the green by about 20 yards. And, um, I, you know, I learned in one hole what that golf course was all about. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful golf course. And, but so, you know, th- those sand belt courses, I mean, during the president's, during the president's cup, I played with, um, with Jay at, um, Kingston Heath very early one morning, seven, seven. Oh, and I stayed and played again in the afternoon. I mean, it's just, it's, it's great golf and it's it's thinking it's thinking players golf um and i do think that when you look at the great golf courses in the world they're all ones that make you think well you're you're leading me into the, my next subject which you know i'm going to get to um and royal melbourne um which we just mentioned again when i was walking around with mike clayton when we were watching tiger we we, we calculated or he did uh, more than i did that uh, to get those guys, the top guys, hitting the clubs into the greens that Alistair McKenzie envisioned when he designed the place, it would it would have to be over nine thousand yards long. 
<laughs> so, uh, which leads us into the, the inevitable, um, which he knew, he just knew I was going to bring this up, was the, the interminable distance debate that's going on and on and on. Um, where are you with that at the moment? And how soon uh, can we, is it going to be at least some kind of conclusion that you're going to announce? Well, I mean, we are we are now well 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 into the process, um, and um, it's a process that needs to be followed and treated with respect. And um, you know, we're we're, we're very much um, through in 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 the initial stages of that. I mean, we did a very detailed research document, Distance Insights, which um, I, I, I've I've listened to some of your podcasts before, and I think I think you've read it, and I think Mike Clayton's read it as well. Um, and um, I think that's that really lays out our view. Um, and we're now in um, what's called the area of interest um, yeah. phase, um, which is all around what we um, the topics that we are interested in in, in doing. And uh, you know, I'm not going to prejudge any of those conversations, but I have been totally consistent that the around you know the the line in the sand. Um, I think has been passed. Long, longer courses, longer time to play, is um, not is taking the game in the wrong direction. Um, and uh, I want to see um, a a serious conversation around how we get this balance of skill and technology. Um, and uh, you know, it's going to take. It's it's not going to happen overnight. I know. I know there are some who would like it to, but um, it's not going to. Um, but it will be a serious conversation as we move through this. Do you think you're going to be able to take any, everybody with you on this? Is there enough common ground? I mean, it, it, the, the signs are not good, just based on history. Uh, and that's why I asked that question. I just wondered where, if you think that you can, uh, um, you know, specifically the equipment companies, are they going to go with you on this? I don't think everyone's going to come, come with us on this. <laughs> um, I think we would be rather naive to think that but we will have an honest conversation with everybody and allow everybody to have their views and express their views in, in an intelligent and thoughtful way um you know i i do think there are i've said it before that you know the industry whether that's the players whether it's the 99 percent who play for love whether it's the governing bodies you know, is 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 full of very serious people who who understand um, the sport um, that w- that we we um, were fortunate to be involved in, and there is a serious conversation going on. And um, I'm listening. Um, my views are well. You know, they've been publicly expressed, and um, I'm one thing. Uh, I think the game will get used to with me is I'm very consistent. Um, I might be consistently wrong in the eyes of some people, but I'm very consistent. Um, and, 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 you know, we have thought about this a lot. If, if this ends up in a, in a courtroom, uh, Martin, it seems to me, I mean, I worry about this um, genuinely, not only for the game, but for, for the RNA and the, and the USGA and the, the position in, in, in the, within the game. I mean, the implications of losing ultimately are, are Hard, you know, it's hard to imagine how bad that could be. I mean, is that something that you've considered? You know, um, I spent 30 years in corporate life. Um, I've seen, you know, complicated projects. I've seen, but I've also learned that you look at every single angle 
and you think about as many different things that um, you that could happen, and and that's how you ensure success. Um, it's no guarantee, um, but you know we we will we will work through if we work through in, with intelligence and the right timing, and um, and putting the game at the center, then. Um, you know, we, we, we should come to a sensible sensible outcome, and uh, that's what I'm trying well, to Well, yeah, I, I hope, I, you know, I'm with you on that. I just, uh, but, you know, as you know, I bang on about this subject quite a lot, and I, I can never get my head around a couple of aspects of it, is that is why golf has, has gone in a different, and you've heard me say this before probably, a different direction from other sports like, you know, the, the javelin and baseball and cricket and tennis who've, who've done things to the equipment to protect the, their venues, whereas we seem to be going in the opposite direction and we're protecting the equipment to at the expense of the venues because the, the to me the the golf courses are the biggest um, victims in all of this it's certainly at the high at the top level of the game again we're talking about yeah i think um but i, I can't do anything about history um we are where we are um and um you know i i think we've been very clear that uh, we wouldn't want to see that going um, going any further and I just you know if you go back to the distance insights report you know I was very clear and and, and Mike Davis and I agreed the same wording it was you know longer distances longer time to play longer driving is taking the game in the wrong direction um, you know we've been very clear where we go from here that will have that will that will take time and um, and work through that but you know go, go back to all of our earlier discussion John you know what drives me is 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 the the passion for our sport, and you know I'm, I I want to make sure I do the right thing for the whole sport and and get the right the right answer that we're all comfortable with. Yeah. Um, just I'm conscious that I've uh, I've kept you talking here for just over an hour, and I, I wanted to end up just by bouncing around a little bit. Um, uh, golf and the Olympics. Um, Dustin Johnson recently announced that he's. Uh, basically can't be bothered to go and play for America in Japan this year. Um, I, I must admit, uh, when Olympics golf came up first, I, I was kind of ambivalent, <clears throat> but I was tipped over the edge by the the notion that governments do spend an awful lot more money on sports that are in the Olympics, and it's got to be beneficial for golf to, to stay in there. Um, is that your view, and, and how do you feel about the the future of golf in the Olympics? I think to be fair to Dustin, he did not no. phrase it how you just phrased it. No, probably not. Um, <laughs> and you know, it, it is in the. You know, we're all trying to work out how to live yeah. and travel in a post-pandemic world. So, uh, oh, a lot you're, of you're, you're cutting more Dustin, slack than I would. Dustin, but yeah, so. good on you. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, look. I think the the Olympics is the greatest show showcase of sport in the world, um, and you know, I think uh, having golf in it enabled us to tap into an audience um, that we previously weren't able to tap into and that there are certainly in the developing countries of golf where gold medals uh, or winning medals is 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 an important part of the psyche a bit like you know in the years when you and I grew up in East Germany how yeah. important it was to win medals yeah. for these Germans well um, how they won those medals is a different issue but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a different topic um, but you know Go back to my earlier point. We are only going to succeed in growing golf if we talk to people who don't play golf today. 
if we continue to be obsessed by only talking to people who play golf, then we are you you you're writing the sense of failure um, from the very beginning. And I think the Olympics gives a fantastic opportunity to talk to people who don't play golf today. And um, you know, Rio was Rio was pretty was challenging to say the least. Um, but uh, you know, I I can remember. Um, how the gold medals were won. And I'm sure a lot of people who don't play golf would have watched it. And the audiences showed... Yeah, I think you're right. The, the um, pluses far out with the minuses. And the, there is an enormous ignorance out there. I mean, one of my daily rituals now in the, in the midst of this pandemic is watching The Chase on television at five o'clock. And whenever, whenever a, a, a golf question pops up, it's immediately the nine times out of ten, it's pass... You know, people just don't know anything about golf, and, and that's something that needs to change if we're if we're going to do achieve the things that you want to achieve. I think. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 we've got to stop obsessing about things that we think are really important because people who don't play golf go, so so what? Um, anyway, uh, the, kind of the, again, I'm, I'm bouncing a little bit just to finish up. Um, Saudi Arabia has a profile in golf has been rising uh, the last few months they seem to be you know in the background at least getting involved in lots of things where does the RNA draw the line on you know going to places taking money from you know regimes like Saudi Arabia is there a line to be drawn somewhere I find it very difficult because if you start down that road you'd never go to other countries like China and the Middle East and all kinds of places like that but the Saudi Arabia seems to be particularly egregious in that department then is there an official line from the RNA on that? You know, I think it's you know we we, we often um, in 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 sport and you know in the RNA it's it's drawing this line of we want to talk about sport not politics um, and um, it's it's very difficult the, the more the higher up the the food chain you, you you go to draw to draw that line as 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 you well know and just expressed. Um, if if golf can grow in Saudi, and particularly if women's golf could grow in Saudi, and look what they're doing to help the LET um, is enormous. Um, so the Ladies European Tour, you know, with the Aramco series coming in um, and the hosting of events there, if we can get more women playing golf, then that that's something that you know I think is important. Um, but everywhere you go in the world and every business you work with, there's always this little bit of balance about politics and, 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 and sport. But if, if, if we can stay pure to, to more people playing golf, then um, I'm, doing, I'm doing my job. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always, the, <clears throat> again, there's two sides to it. I mean, people say that we should be going to places like that just because um, it encourages change, political change and you know social change in those places. But... The other side of that argument, of course, is that um, if you do start going, they stop changing because they think they've done enough. Um, I'm not sure where I stand on that, and I'm not sure it's, mm -hmm. it's an incredibly difficult issue. It really is. Yeah, I think I think uh, no, nothing we 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 do in any country is done out of sense of ignorance about the macro issue. Um, but we do say we're not politicians; we are about making this game better. Yeah. My last question, Martin, is. Um, 
the pandemic, we've touched on that a few times. I mean, how has that affected your, your working life? Is there, a, is there a typical day in the working life of Martin Slumbers or has it become more typical because you've not been able to travel? I mean, it's 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 difficult to talk about the pandemic it, it, it's on a personal level, John. Given the you know the, yes. the dreadful situation many yeah. people have had through through this, and you know, I, I count myself lucky that my family have um, have not been affected. Um, but from a working point of view, it's been extremely difficult. Um, and you know, I, I I'm a I think I I do not buy into the um, subject that uh, office life is death is is finished um i i think we are human beings who like to interact and our business built is built around um human interactions and and i miss that enormously and um virtual does not replace it um you know you you you, you having a interview with you on a virtual environment is very different to you sitting yeah. six feet away yeah, from i mean me in my ordinarily we do we have done this in in your wonderful office i mean I, I i understand why you quite like going into your office every day it might be the best office on the planet <laughs> <laughs> well i don't i mean i don't I, i've been i work in my office mondays and tuesdays now um but my i mean for, for me personally just um is i have i've spent most of my career traveling um, I had a global job in, 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 in the banking world for many, many years, and I've never been as, at home as long as I have been in the last 25 years. And my wife's probably looking forward to me getting back out on the road. <laughs> yeah, and so this year, are you going to – we're talking the week before the Masters. I take it you're not going to Augusta, or what's your plans on, that, on travel? No, it's a great disappointment. I couldn't go to, couldn't go to Augusta, and, and the reason for that is on um, May 7th is the Walker yeah. Cup in, in America. Um, at Seminole Golf Club, and you know we, you know, we, amateur golf is really important to to the RNA, and because of the quarantining rules, um, it would be very difficult to do Augusta, come back, mm-hmm. quarantine, then be able to go back out to represent Great Britain and Ireland, um, and so I prioritise the Walker Cup. Right. Okay. So, you, are you going to be one of the people who's going to be paying five hundred dollars for the three days to watch the Walker Cup? And I was reading about that. So that that seemed like an extraordinary sum of money for for organisations that look to be growing the game. I mean, I I, I think for the RNA, if it only cost us five hundred dollars, it would be a bargain. <laughs> yes. Well, listen. On that note, Martin, thank you very much for your time. Um, it's been a, a joy talking to you. It's been interesting and illuminating as always. And uh, thanks for being on the thing about golf. You're very welcome, John, and take care and good luck to you. Uh, you. Stay safe. And that's it for episode 39. I hope you've taken away as much as I did from Huggy's chat with Martin Slumbers. Some really big issues covered there and lots to chew on from some of those answers. Now, I hope you've taken the time to subscribe to the show because next week, COVID willing, I'm off to Melbourne to do a couple of interviews for upcoming episodes. And while I won't reveal who they're with, I will say that they are some extremely interesting people. So make sure to come back next time here on The Thing About Golf.